You know, in society and in life, there are so many things that are addictive, right? Being on social media can be addictive. Uh, cigarettes, nicotine is addictive. Certain substances are addictive. But there's something else that's addictive that we don't talk about enough. And that is something called adrenaline. Yes, your adrenaline, which many times is connected to our ego, is addictive as well. So my suggest, my request to you is to pursue peace in your life as opposed to drama. In my experience, when we pursue drama, when things get crazy, when we're trying to get even, when we're trying to prove something to somebody, that is adrenaline. That is the ego talking. So my invitation is to pursue peace. This is episode 115. In this episode, I'm being joined once again by my dear friend, Bassam Tarazi, and we have We have a wild conversation. Listen, we're talking about crazy, and I mean crazy lawsuits. Wait till you hear about this lawsuit that happened in the United States. We're talking about people who make a lot of money, who are living paycheck to paycheck, and we have some unique perspectives on that. And we're going to talk about what made me say, I'm done. I'm done. I quit. But before we get into that, I want to invite you to join my seven-day Get Unstuck Challenge to help you make your next move. If you are stuck, if you are in a funk, if you have been figuring things out for far too long, go to the show notes and sign up for my seven-day Get Unstuck Challenge. It will help you make your next move. All right, that's it. Let's get to episode 115. Hey, welcome to the Antonio Nev Show, where I remind you each and every week that no matter where you stand today, your story isn't over. The best is ahead. Hey, I've done over 100 episodes. Quick caveat. Yes, the best is ahead if you do something. I want to make sure you know the best is ahead if you do something. Hey, I'm your host, Antonio Neves. I'm the founder of Allies of Glory. I'm the author of Stop Living on Autopilot. I'm a success coach, and I am also a husband and father, and joining me today to talk about what's on my brain and on his brain is my homeboy, Bassam Tarazi. As you may recall, Bassam is an author. He's the founder of the Ready, Set, Finish framework to help you finish anything, and he is an adventurer. This guy's been to over 70 plus countries, amazing adventures across the globe. Bassam, I'm glad to have you back. People really enjoyed our conversations from last week, so I want to say thank you again for joining me. Yeah, man. It's good to be back. Uh, Last week, like you said, it was a nice, I didn't have a, uh, I don't have a fireplace, but it felt like a fireside chat where we could just catch up as friends. I'm I'm like, I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And I want to give a warning to listeners. I'm feeling feisty today. You heard me say at the top, the best is ahead. The best is ahead if you do something, right? I'm a little feisty in in a good way. And before we got on to do this, you texted me something. And when I looked at it on my phone, I was like, are you serious? Is, is, are you serious? Let me just say, let me, let me just say, I work hard, y'all. I work hard, but Sam works hard. I know you work hard to put money in your pocket, to put food on the table, to pay for this gas that is just astronomically high. And then I read this. Let me just read something from an article on CNN. It says, Missouri woman was awarded $5.2 million. Did you hear me? million in a settlement from insurance company Geico 
after contracting a sexually transmitted disease from her partner in the vehicle, which was insured by the company. Court documents show. And this was upheld by the Missouri Court of Appeals. So Bassam, if I'm reading this correctly, a woman had consensual sex in a guy's car. From that consensual consensual sexual act, she contracted an, uh, a sexually transmitted disease. And because of that, she is suing Geico for that. The insurer of the vehicle that typically, if I'm correct, typically Geico insures you for accidents, for limited liability, collisions, all that kind of fun stuff. But she's like, yo, I got a sexually transmitted disease in your vehicle. What's the $5.2 million? What's the world coming to? And just briefly, for those of you who aren't in the United States, one thing we love in the United States to do, we love to sue people. We just love to, this is a, I think the definition, the word litigious was created in the United States. So, Bassam, this, this, this just, it just has me thinking all kinds of things, man. Yeah. I mean, I said it to you and it's a, it's a shake of the head. It is a, you feel like loopholes upon loopholes, right? There's wheels within wheels sometimes. This is like a loophole in a loophole. I don't know how, right? What I, I think of the word accountability, it's kind of like who is accountable here? And for the state to say that the person accountable here is Geico, I don't get it. I mean, I, I, so, and I might not have all the facts. I read the article a little bit. I'm sure. I, well, I don't even know. I mean, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to be PC, but there's part of me that's like five point two million dollars. Five point two. In the article to continue on, it says the arbitrator subsequently submitted that five point two million would fairly compensate the woman for damages and injuries. Geico appealed this, and then get this: a three-judge panel responsible for, for reviewing the appeal, confirmed the settlement decision. So th this is wild, man. Like, does that mean, so I live in a house, my house is insured. Does that mean if I cut myself pretty bad while trying to pit a avocado today, I can sue the person who insured my house? It's like, you know, I wonder if it has to do with, and I'm, I'm talking legally, injury. She suffered an injury while in this car. Is contracting a disease an injury? I mean, <laughs> I, I mean that's a self-inflicted wound, right? I mean that's a that that's between you and the partner to bring in a a, a third party here. I mean, there are probably a, you know there's probably 17 analogies we, we could come up with and say, hey, does this make sense? And I think that that's kind of what we're getting at here. It's almost like you wish in a court of law you could be like, hold on, does this make sense? I wish we had that question. You can ask that question. But before we proceed, before we bring in all these lawyers and all these jurors, well, I'm just going to ask a question. Let's have a raise a hand here in the audience. Does this make sense? Oh, how great would that be for the jury? Like, obviously, <laughs> lawyers in the United States, we all say objection, sustained. But what if you had that button you could push that says that way? Before we continue on a waste of taxpayers' dollars, before we these jurors that have jobs and families to be with, quick question, y'all. Does this make sense? Like I can hear Chris Rock yeah, doing exactly. this joke. Exactly. Does this make sense? Man, that, that just blows me away. It's 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 not surprising, obviously, if you know anything about the United States. We have what they're called ambulance chasers, people that are just trying to get in the in the court. And you know, of course, people this is big. People they settle a lot because they don't want to go through the rigmarole of a long, drawn-out trial. You hear about cases where someone 
got a lot of money, I think millions actually, from a McDonald's once because yeah. the coffee yeah. was too hot. So this is one of those things that made me laugh. I want to bring it up because it's just one of those moments that is, to your point, does this make sense? Yeah. I mean, it, when you read an article like that, again, the word accountability comes in. It's kind of like, how far down does this Plinko disc have to keep falling for you to be like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Somebody else is to blame here. And I don't know, man. I, I, I this, yeah, this leaves me at a loss of words. And five point two million dollars. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the the work I put in today. I've been going, man, since five forty five today, and I didn't make close to five point two million dollars today <laughs> for having sex. Uh, all right, let's go on. This next subject is pretty interesting. This was in my newsletter this week, and this stood out to me. Uh, there's an article in Bloomberg that said one third of Americans making $250,000 annually are living paycheck to paycheck. This number, this, this represents the, the top 5% of earners in the United States. Now, to be clear, this doesn't mean that people can't pay their bills. It just basically means that they have enough each month to cover their bills. And if they got lost their job or maybe had some crazy medical bills or or uh, had to settle for $5.2 million for someone having sex in their vehicle, they'd be in a lot of trouble. So I'm curious, does that surprise you that one third of Americans making over $250,000 a year are living paycheck to paycheck? Uh, I, I think at first glance, yes, right? It's a shocking stat. Oh my God, how, how, the, how are they living paycheck to pay, How are they living paycheck to paycheck? But I think you kind of had a, um, a caveat there. What you were getting at is they are not scratching by to make rent and eat white bread and peanut butter, right? They are not just scratching by to live. They have chosen a lifestyle that they would like to enjoy. So part of me says, God bless, right? There might be people who are like, I don't want to save money because I can't take it with me when I'm dead. So yeah, you got to spend it. And if you're bringing in 15000 a month and you spend 14800 I guess you have the right to. Now, if you're complaining, right? If your Ferrari or your BMW is one of the reasons that you're like, man, this is this is nuts. I can barely make rent. I can barely make mortgage. Well, there are choices you can make. So I think it's like, are these people complaining because they have to live paycheck to paycheck? Or is it just kind of like, hey, I'm not saving that much because I I like expensive dinners right? I like trips. I'm going, I'm going to Ireland this year. I'm going on a cruise next month. So part of me is like, Hey, enjoy your life. That's great. But I kind of think it's when you, when you say that somebody's living paycheck to paycheck, we all understand that it, it, as they are struggling. Yeah. And they're not struggling to your point. They've made some decisions. They, like you said, they chose to do this. They have the full right to do this. And I remember living in New York city and I remember very similar experiences where I was making what would be considered a, a really, really good income, but I wasn't able to save a lot because I made some choices. Like I'm making this good income and guess what? I want to live in a better neighborhood. I want to have certain amenities available to me. I want to do certain activities, certain travels, et cetera. And you know, that's an interesting that you bring that up. They chose to do that because I've always, I'm, I'm curious what your perspective was growing up. I remember my dad telling me a long time ago when I started working professionally, he's like, look, as you get raises over the course of your life, don't let that change how you're living. Mm. It's like whatever your raises, put that extra money into the bank yeah. and keep living how you're living. And in this day and age where we are, like 
and I think people have had so much hardship, so many challenges over the past few years. They're like, yo, I'm going to enjoy myself. Totally. If that mean, I know we're thinking about the moment. We're not thinking about when we're 67 years old and need to be in a long-term care facility and how we're going to pay for that, how we're going to pay for that. Maybe we're a little bit short-sighted or no, or is it carpe diem? Seize the day. We are only here today. Spend as much money as you can to have as much uh, enjoyment in your life. Is that balance between however some people define responsibility and how others define I'm going to live my life? Yeah. And here's what's interesting on a a couple points. I don't know if these people who are living paycheck to paycheck also have a hundred thousand dollars safety net in their savings account. Right. Like, are they like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good for six, eight, 12 months, but my day to day now, yeah, I'm not saving anymore. So the statement paycheck to paycheck, I wish it was, I am choosing to not save money right now. I am choosing well, you know what that's interesting. So that could be an onion. That could be an onion headline that one third of Americans choose not to save money each month. Yeah, exactly. So that's exactly. So that's framing. That could go two different ways. Exactly. Option A, one third of Americans making two hundred and fifty thousand dollars annually said they are living paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> Option B, one third of Americans are making two hundred and fifty thousand dollars annually choose not to save. Exactly. Because I, I think it's a little insulting to people who are truly struggling with the necessities in life, right? Whether they're, they're struggling with feeding their children, with paying rent, right? To say that's, that, that somebody making $250,000 a year is living paycheck to paycheck, there is a choice involved there. People who are truly struggling, there isn't much choice in their lives. On your note about, you know, I know you didn't grow up in affluence. My, I, I certainly didn't either. My parents and, and my brother and sister were in a, in living in a civil war in Lebanon and had to flee. So yeah, when, when we were growing up, money wasn't something that just, got, that just got thrown around. So I think, yeah, I have in the back of my head is, hey, you gotta be, you gotta be ready for that rainy day because we live in a very positive uh, energy society. Always think positively, things happen for a reason, blah, 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 blah. That's because we're a nation where a lot of good things have happened to people. So typically things are going to work out, but you and I both know that it doesn't always go your way today. The stock market, whatever dropped the, the, the highest it has uh, since January, the recession inflation. So it's kind of like, Hey, you could pretend that rainy days aren't coming and just stay confident, stay happy, stay positive, stay positive, stay positive. It doesn't really matter. Universe doesn't really care about your positivity in some aspects, right? You got to be ready for that rainy day. The universe doesn't care about your positivity. And also, as I look at this more coming from the journalistic lens, you know, my background as a journalist, it's even in a way, maybe I'm putting too much into this, is editorializing in a way that, oh, people making $250,000 annually say they're living paycheck to paycheck. It's kind of editorializing that, oh, if you make that much money, you're super, super smart. You know something that we don't mm. know. And that, and that's not always the case because a number that could have been a whole other article, again, I want people to know that journalists, outlets, they choose the data they want to run with yeah. because this could go another way. Because get this, here's another number from the same article, a little bit lower down. Among all consumers, nearly 62%, more than 60% reported living paycheck to paycheck. Mm. So again, you're a journalist. Hmm, what story am I going to tell? What's going to get more clicks? Right. More than 60% of people report living paycheck to paycheck or ooh. 
people making this big number, the top quote unquote 5% earners in the country making $250,000 annually are living paycheck to paycheck. So they kind of cherry pick that as well. Yeah, and, and I think it's also when, when you think of the zeitgeist of what's happening, inflation, things are costing more, everybody's stressed at the pump and, and, and food costs more. So it's kind of, as you're saying, it's alluding to us like, oh my God, look how expensive things have become. And I want to pump the brakes and go, wait a second. Again, these people are making choices. They are making choices you get to make when you have enough money that you don't need to worry about rent. That's a real, that's a real assessment. I think the note is this for all of us. And I'm talking to me too. Stop buying stuff you don't need. <laughs> Stop buying stuff you don't need. And look, I, I'm guilty of this. I, I just purchased a pair of like an eye mask to make it like dark. Uh, that costs over $30 <laughs> because I read a review. So I think Tim Ferriss or somebody wrote a review of this amazing eye mask. And I was like, oh, I got this trip to Europe coming up next month and I'm going to want to get some sleep. Let me let me pay for $30 something dollars for an eye mask. That has nothing to do with nothing. All right. No, I, 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 I want to say on that on that last note, I wouldn't say stop buying stuff you don't need. I'd say don't come bitching to me if you got no money, right? Because you bought things you didn't need. Listen, Listen, what a reframe. Again, I want to remind all of us, even me, that those conversations can go two ways. Stop buying stuff you don't need. Option A or B, don't come complaining to me about the money you don't have because of the decisions yeah. that you made. Yeah. You can keep buying stuff you don't need all you want. Keep doing but, it. But if the economy turns and you find out you need some more money, it's a really hard place to come and be like, man, I'm struggling as we're leaning on your BMW M3, you know? Listen, hey, you just you, you just said a word right there. I love that, man. Don't come complaining to me about the decisions you've made. That's some adult stuff right there. Let's get into the third and final subject for today. This is fun. I love these conversations. And I want to tell you, you know about this because I left you a long voice note yesterday. And essentially what I said to you in that voice note is, Basam, I'm done. I'm done. I just was, I was on social media somewhere. I was on LinkedIn or I was on Instagram, something. And I realized something I posted that I frankly thought was really, really great. And I even tried to fool myself. I was like, you know what? I posted this, this Instagram reel. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait a few hours to check how many views I get just to save that rush that it gives me. And bro, when I tell you, I went back a few hours later and opened the app to see how many views this reel got. And it said zero. I mean, I mean, zero. And normally it's a few thousand or something like that. And it said zero. I said, what am I doing this for? Are you first the whole social media thing? Second, I, I caught myself in this mindset of, you know, as a business owner, I, my business is pretty unique in that I sell myself. Uh, yeah, I have books that I sell that are mine. I'm a coach. So you're buying Antonio Neves as your coach. I'm a speaker. You're buying Antonio Neves as your speaker or consultant, et cetera. And before it sounds like I'm complaining, let's be clear. Your boy has been blessed. Mm -hmm. I work hard and I'm fortunate to say that I'm in demand as a speaker. I'm in demand as a coach. And, and it's exhausting selling yourself. You said something to me and I'd love to get you to unpack this a little bit. You said something to me a while back that really stood out. You know, so many of us talk about starting our own companies. We want to start our own companies. But what we don't take into consideration, especially if you're starting a service-based business, that's you. I don't care if you're a writer, coach, or you're a plumber, um, is that when you start your company simultaneously without knowing it, you're also starting a marketing company. 
That's right. To let people know that you exist. But no one tells you that, oh, by the way, you're also starting a marketing company. When you shared that with me, that was like some aha moments insight that I want to remind. I'm not, I'm not going to discourage anyone from starting a company. I'm not because I think it's a, there's a lot that comes with it. And I've been, wow, these past 10 years of me doing this have been wild. I, it's been a heck of a journey. And no one told me when I was starting that I was also starting a marketing company at the same time. That's right. I, I, I think the, the challenge is you are being paid for you. You are Tony Nevs. I have a website. It's basam.com, right? It is, we are the vessels for our own message. So the call is constantly coming from inside the house. And so it is hard enough to create something and to put something out in the world and to say, hey world, here's me. Here's what I'm selling, except me, especially when it's your face that has to be the one that is chosen or not chosen. But then on top of that, not only do you publish, not only do you have a website, you then need to tell people about this website and this product. And you need to be out there constantly marketing, marketing, marketing. And when you are marketing yourself, right, it becomes this feedback loop that you're kind of like, wait, I don't know the separation between me and my business. And so I think for people who have www.theirname.com, realize that that weight, that W-E-I-G-H-T of having your own business and selling your own products, it doubles when you have to then sell yourself. If you are not wholly and solely in it and really deep down, like, I love this thing and I want, you know, this is what I'm saying. I'm selling me and I am the product and take me world for everything that, for everything that I am. It's really hard. Whereas the people who create products separate of themselves, right? They have a, whatever, a web design company, or they are a copy, they have a copywriting company called ABC Copywriting. That's who you hire. So yes, they're going to still be marketing ABC Copywriting Company, but they don't need to operate. They don't need to constantly market themselves. Yeah. Their identity is an attack. So if you sell a cleaning solution or you sell a widget or some type of product, and if someone doesn't want it, they're just like, oh, they chose a competitor. They didn't want it. When it's you, they didn't want you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that, they didn't want you. And who? You, of course, we can get into the nuance of why and decision-making and all that kind of fun stuff. But I caught myself and I was like, man, this is exhausting. Yeah. And and, and I was found myself also with the question of, do I, do I want to keep playing this game? Hmm. Specifically from a perspective of like of marketing myself. Like, I, you know, it's going back to what you're starting a marketing company when you're starting a company, like... I've been, one thing you're great at and the work that Bassam does is he really reminds me sometimes to track how I spend my time. Like we, we make assumptions how we spend our time. And when you track it with that notebook or that Excel sheet, you learn a lot about how you spend your time. And let me tell you something. I've learned a lot over the past few weeks tracking my time that one thing I'm not doing a lot these days, I'm not creating a lot. I'm spending more time trying to spread the word of what I'm doing Versus actually creating, which is my, my genius is creating, having conversations like this, coaching, speaking, et cetera. But I'm spending more time to spread the word about that. And I, I mean, imagine being an artist and I guess we can, I'll, I'll frame business owners in many ways as artists, but imagine being a painter and you don't get, you don't paint. All you do is tell people that you paint. I mean, that's, that's a lot, man, when all you want to do is paint, right? Well, I mean, I would say it this way. If all you want to do is paint, right, then have your studio in your garage and paint, meaning it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. But the second you want to sell that painting, now your opinion no longer counts. 
Are you are you handling refunds? Are you framing? What's shipping like? Is are there two for ones? What about returns? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. No one cares that you like to paint anymore. They are buying <laughs> your product for themselves. And so that's the problem. So I'm almost challenging you. You say, Basam, I am not creating as much as I want to. I am spreading the word. But the question I would have is, all right, T, if all you want to do is create, then just create. But I know right behind that is, but Basam, I need to make money. Well, that's part of the deal that you made with the devil, right? Not that the de- I'm not saying the devil in the sense of having your business as a devil, but it's part of that game. And so what, what we all need to do as business owners is figure out, well, how much how much time, energy, money, effort am I willing to put in or do I need to put into that marketing side? And you ask yourself, is it worth it, right? There, I had a statement once where I said, and I know you and I deal with this a lot. It's kind of like, we don't like being out there so much. We don't like banging our chest. It's exhausting. So, so one time I asked myself, Basam, why are you trying to make so much noise if all you want to do is disappear? Ooh, wow. That's, why are you making so much noise if all you want to do is disappear? That, that's, that, that's big. And listen, I'm going to make, I'm going to let, I'm going to let the people who've listened this far in the episode know something. You're over the course of time, you're going to see some shifts. Uh, one thing a lot of the public doesn't know, Basam, uh, but you know, obviously, is are the things I'm building behind the scenes that don't involve my face, mm-hmm. products, services, et cetera, which I'm really, really excited about. So I think over the course of the next months and years, there, there's going to be a shift. There won't be an immediate one, but uh, I'm going to shift. There's a J. There's a Jay-Z line from a song that talks about when he's, you know, are you going to know when he's gone? Or will you miss me when I'm gone? Or something, and I'm okay if folks don't like. I'm, I'm I'm excited to now put these creative muscles and endeavors towards some things that don't necessarily involve my face, which is frankly a, a fun type of of challenge. So I'm excited to see where that goes, and excited to see how folks. I still got to sell that, right? And folks have to. Yeah, but I I think I mean the point you're you're well that I'm taking away from what you just shared is that I think for some people out there, and it's not me and T, I think you'd say it's not you. For some people out there, they find this is their reason for being there. They either convince themselves or it's true that this thing they are selling, it's it just what they need to put out in the world. And there is that self, right? Their, their body is almost a nuclear reactor of energy. They can just keep producing it on and on and on. I think what Antonio was cautioning people out there is, hey, look, it's okay if you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to sell something, you don't just have to sell yourself. You know, that, that isn't the only route you can create products. You can, you can create businesses that is one degree, one arm's length away from you. So that if you do want to disappear, if you do want to be, be a little bit quiet, your face doesn't constantly have to be the thing that people are buying into or buying. And on top of that, if Antonio wanted to sell his business right now, it's really hard because Antonio is the business right? He's building allies of glory. There's other people who build these side products where it's like, yeah, it's not about Antonio. It is about this product. So don't forget that if you're building something under your name constantly, it is a, it is, it is, yes, it, if you, you might feel that is, it is your exaltation, but it, it is also a straight jacket at the same time. It's, it's a straight jacket. So I'm excited to keep building. And if that doesn't work, I might, you know, I might just go ahead and take a hot skillet out in the car today and accidentally pour some hot grease on my lap and sue <laughs> sue the company that insures my car. See if I can get $5.2 million. <laughs> That's one route. That's one route. 
Uh, you know what's crazy? There are people that do that. There are people who are always trying to uh, get con money artists, from insurance. Con companies. artists, exactly. But exactly. but are they con artists if it's if it's legal? Well, yeah, I mean like it's if, like like the PPP loans and all the things that happen with COVID. People are like, all right, I see my opportunity. I'm gonna go get mine. All right. So if y'all remember anything from this episode, before you do anything, before you exert energy effort, uh, ask yourself this question: Does this make sense? <laughs> does this make sense chris rock voice all right basal thanks for joining me again man we're, we're gonna do this sooner rather than later always always happy to be here i just love my conversations with basam tarazi i hope you love that as much as i did if you did hey hit the share button right now and share it with three people in your life that you know will get value out of it for more information on this episode head on over to theantonionevs.com that link is in the show notes and hey if you haven't followed the show yet if you haven't left a review yet please do so right now that will help so much to continue to spread the word about the antonio nev show all across the globe all right i will see you back here next week with another great episode in the meantime remember the best is ahead when you work yes work and believe that the best is ahead things begin to change for the better never forget you have a say in this